Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Flip Switch, the Bipolar and Depression Connection, brought to you by the Child and Adolescent Bipolar Foundation. I am your host, Chris, and with me today is the always exciting... Amy Lynn. Amy Lynn. You are my favorite person to talk about our topic we've been talking about the past couple weeks, which is support groups. You know why? Why? Because you've been to quite a few, more than one, and uh, you've got a wealth of information. You are like... Like, I know a lot about psychology and different disorders and therapy and all that, but you know, because of how much you've done this, you've, you know much more than me on this subject. And so it's exciting because I get to learn stuff now when I, when I talk to you, stuff that I can't really know. And uh, I think that's interesting for everybody else out there as well. Woo! All right, before we uh, get into that, though, let's get the particulars out of the way. If you want to get in touch with us, it's slipswitch at bpkids.org, or you can leave a comment on the show or on a blog that we post, www.bpkids.org slash flipswitch. Uh, just go there, and it's always fun, and we will comment back if we can. You can check out the other co-hosts' blogs and thoughts and feelings. So, Amy Lynn, when was the last time you went to a support group? Last month, I believe. When was the first time you ever went to support group? Spring of my sophomore year, and I'm a senior now, so maybe a year and a half ago. And when were you diagnosed? Spring of my sophomore year. So you started going almost immediately. Pretty much. Right. What led you to want to go to a support group in the beginning? I was a little confused, a little freaked out, I guess. About what? About possibly being put on medication and having someone tell me there's something abnormal with me. You went to a support group to find out what then? Just to sort of meet other abnormal people, I guess. And how did that work out for you? The first one I went to was actually pretty good. I did go to other ones too, though, and some were helpful and other ones were probably not so helpful. Right. I guess, what was it that made you seek out a support group versus trying some other form of coping? Because at that point, I sort of wanted to know that I wasn't alone in this issue. Right. I tried online ones. I'm the kind of person I want to do a lot of research, and I just wanted to find someone who had gone through the same thing. Cool. Uh, so, it's now a year and a half, two years later. What do you think you've learned about support groups that you didn't know going in? I think I really learned that a lot of them, like how it works for you depends on who's leading it, depends on the people in the group, because there's some that are, I think, really beneficial and some that weren't. And I, going in, didn't expect the different groups to be really so different in the way they were conducted. Maybe we should get the ground rules of what is it you think a support group is in both makeup and just what it's supposed to do? I think it's just supposed to be a place for people with similar situations to discuss their situations, maybe give suggestions to other people of, oh, I've gone through that situation, you know, this, this, and this is what worked for me. Maybe one of those will work for you. And it's just, uh, I guess, a place for everyone to get some of their feelings and emotions out that they wouldn't talk with other people about. How big is a support group in your mind? I've been support groups where it was as small as three people and as big as, 
know, probably 15. In your mind, what would be the ideal number? Probably like 8 to 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you go to a support group, are you one of the talkers? Because there are people who talk more than others in support groups. I wouldn't say that I'm one of the people that talks more than others. Okay. There are those people in some support groups, though. But there's also support groups, I think one of the ones that was really good, sort of monitors how much people talk so that really everybody gets a chance to talk if they want to. Right. So nobody really dominates the conversation. Right. So let's say somebody has just been diagnosed what makes disorder, let's just say depression, not even bipolar disorder at this point. And they're going to go to a support group. They're a college student your age, or they're even in high school. How do you find these things? I mean, because there's two things. One, one thing is you live in a big city. So it's you've got a little bit more opportunity. But I know you, you're plugged into the grid, so to speak. So your ears to the ground, you always know what's going on. How do you go about finding these things? I think you have to do some research. Two big organizations that have support groups for people with mood disorders or mental illness are the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. And if you go on their website, they have a listing of a bunch of different support groups. And NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they also have a lot of support groups on their website. But I think, I'm not sure which one, or possibly even both of them, have also online options or sort of like a conference call options for support groups. That's interesting. So you have online and you have offline and you have conference calls. Have you done all of those? Yes. Which was the one you think is best even regardless of the makeup of the group? For me, in person. Okay, why is that? I only did the conference call once and it was just sort of a little difficult because you are trying to remember who said what based right. on voice right so it's like oh that person's talking now and because right. not every time they talk they're not going to be like oh this is janice talking and right, right so it's just got a little confusing for me right and online you get a lot more of one person dominating the conversation or one person just using it as a rant fest or right. i'm really worried because i'm going to do this and then every like there's a lot more i guess babying at least in the ones that i saw right one of the things that is often it's hard to really characterize, one of the things we had thought about doing is maybe some kind of skit where you have a support group and you give a typical support group thing. But one of the problems with that is it's hard to characterize kind of how people feel going into a support group. How did you feel the first time you went in? The first time I went in, I was a little nervous. I'd be like, okay, this is, this is going to be interesting. We'll see how that goes. And I want to say with one of the first ones I went to, there was actually someone my age there which made it a lot more comforting so right. i was like okay i'm not the only one in this boat and i sort of really just tried to talk to that person a little bit right to make me feel a little bit more comfortable and it was also that person's first time which we both relied on each other why would you not just go to say meetup.com and go to the shoe shining meetup or something why does it have to be a support group based on whatever issue you're dealing with. Well, I do meet up and I go to a lot of events through that to meet new people. But it's a lot different in the sense of those are still people who don't know what I'm going through and the experiences that I've had. And I'm not going to go and talk to them about, hey, so this has been a crazy week. My moods have been all over the place and I don't know what I'm going to do now. Whereas there you can say that at these, at these groups, people have either gone through similar experiences or have close family members who have gone through 
similar experiences and it's sort of like they get that and there's no judgment there because they've been there whereas I feel like a lot of other people you still have the risk of people judging you hmm. okay some people are worried though that like when they go to a support group that they are almost embracing an identity like or not even some people that some people worry for other people look if you go to that group you're just going to be a bipolar person in spirit and then you will uh, that's all you'll be I actually I really don't believe that because they're for the, most of the groups that I go to they're once a month for two hours and yes for those two hours I'm connecting with other people who are in similar situations or with similar conditions but other than those two hours once a month I'm with everyone else and it's just normal I think I have more of a problem with taking medicine every day that's more of a reminder for me than even this once a month group well, you know what? We're going to stop it right there. We're going to be back later in the week with more of our discussion. I think next time we're going to talk about what you think makes a good support group, or uh, better, what makes an ideal support group, what, what you would want in your best scenario support group. And from that, we'll be able to talk about the ins and outs a little bit. All right, guys, we will talk to you next time. Remember, it's flipswitch at bpkids.org. Or if you want to leave a comment on this show and say, what, what are you talking about with your support group nonsense? Type in bpkids.org slash flipswitch and uh, you can leave us a comment. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks.